Hey, howdy, hey, and welcome to season two of the Autism Advocate podcast. I am going to be taking people and having really good interviews. I'm really excited. The conversations that I've had with other podcast interviews have been wonderful. Today, we are starting off with dun, 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 our arch nemesis potty training. Now, there are so many things involved. I am uh, have a few TikTok videos that talk about some of the struggles that are involved. Um, I am answering a question. If you can't tell, I'm live when I do this, meaning like I generally do it in one take and just go because I just clean my glasses if you're watching. This is from my friend. I won't say their name. Hope you're doing well. Can't wait to watch your next live. So I have some potty training questions. Not sure if you can answer them or not. No biggie if you can't. I appreciate that. Sometimes um, trying to get this information out to people, people start demanding information from me. And I'm like, I don't get paid for any of this. So when someone approaches me with the understanding of whatever you can give is great. If you can't, I understand. It's always appreciated. Thank you so much. Um, my son is four and autistic. He refuses to go to the bathroom in public. I have a toilet in the car and a water bottle urinal and a folding potty seat for the regular toilet, and he won't use any of them. I went to a doctor's appointment, and he refused to go to the bathroom at home with my dad. When I got back home, he was so uncomfortable and near tears from holding it in. Oh, poor guy. At home, he will only use a urinal. Refuses to sit on a kid potty or a regular toilet with the set of stairs. He's also holding in his poop. I totally get that. He is going every four to five days, and it's usually when I put his nighttime diaper on for bed. Any tips are greatly appreciated. Um, so first, let me just say, if you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're talking about poop. You're listening to the wrong podcast. We talk about everything necessary for helping our kids feel the most comfortable, which absolutely includes potty training things. Now, I will say I'm not a potty training expert. I do, however, um, I have done a lot of research and a lot of um, investigation as to the whys of behavior, which is what I mostly look at. So first, I want to talk about so many of the things that this parent is doing fantastically. And none of this is to say doing wrong or right, but some of the things that are already happening. Um, so many options. A toilet in the car, a water bottle a urinal, a folding potty seat for regular toilet, um, refusing to go to the bathroom in public. It sounds like also even at home. Um, holding those bowel movements, holding them in, going every four to five days. So the first questions that I would ask to maybe be a little more effective in my answer to help is what, when it is um, time for him to have that bowel movement, or he does have that bowel movement, what does it look like? And I don't, sorry, I should clarify. I don't mean the bowel movement itself, um, the feces itself. What I'm talking about is that event. Is that a very stressful event for him? Um, you describe he's going every 45 days and it's usually when I put his nighttime diaper on for bed. So I'm assuming, and I could be totally wrong with this, is that it sounds like you're describing he seems to find comfort with defecating um, or pooping into a diaper. 
that somehow after that four to five day period, when he can't hold it anymore, that it's generally not the toilet that he will be pooping in. It sounds like he's really averse to sitting on a toilet seat is what it sounds like to me um, because of the other things that you have described. So again, um, as with all of my answers for questions that I get asked, this is very specific to this person's situation as they have described it. Although you probably can pull and glean some things from it that you have in common. Cause as we know, potty training is a struggle. So one of the things that I will bring up is interoception. So interoception is your body's, they call it like it's um, not sixth sense. I think it's like eighth or something like that. Um, it's your body's ability to recognize its own uh, inner signals. So signals within organs to each other. In other words, your brain's ability to hear the signal from your belly that it is full, and then that communicate that signal effectively back to the brain. So from the brain to the stomach, stomach to the brain. And for a lot of people, that is not something that works very well. The signals can either be crossed, it can be just not effective at all. Um, I have a good friend at Sound of the Forest. She is somebody on TikTok who is an autistic adult herself. And she very graciously um, dives into some of those struggles with interoception that she experiences in a very articulate, fantastic for neurotypical people to understand. Um, I also have learned that ADHD people, people with ADHD also experience that quite a lot. There was one video that my friend on TikTok made at Sound of the Forest where she talked about all day she was very worried because she felt really ill. And those body signals that um, neurotypical people can usually pick up, which are yeah, I, how do you feel when you're ill? Well, I have a headache. I'm getting chills. I'm getting goosebumps. Um, I'm achy. My body is achy. Oh, well, you might be feverish then. You can draw some conclusions about what's going on in your body based on your brain's ability to read those signals and based on the effectiveness of the signal itself. So what was happening to her is she just knew that she was very uncomfortable. And so she was fearful that she was becoming sick. So she went through a checklist that she has for these specific situations because she knows she struggles with interoception. So if you have a child that struggles with interoception or you suspect they might, honestly, a lot of kids do, whether they are autistic and have ADHD or not. In other words, whether they are neurodivergent or neurotypical. Um, it's really effective to have perhaps a checklist of things that they can go down to see. Well, is this helpful? Is this helpful? Is this helpful? Things like she went down her list. Was she hungry? She ate. No, it didn't help. Was she thirsty? She drank. No, it didn't help. Um, do I need to go to the bathroom? No. She went, tried, nothing happened, so it didn't help. So she was able to cross all these things off of a list to make sure that she's covering the areas of her bodies where usually it would be the signal from the body area telling it to the brain. But because her ability, her body's ability to communicate those signals is poor, she has to go through a checklist of sorts to see, will this alleviate the suffering that I'm experiencing? And you know what it was? And I'm sorry at Sound of the Forest, I had a little bit of a chuckle and I appreciated so much that you shared this. It was her pants. She was having a sensory issue, struggle, overwhelming um, 
and this is how I interpreted her video, so I could perhaps be interpreting it wrong. She said that she was struggling sensory-wise with her pants and that she couldn't, the, the interoception signals from her from her body to her brain could not communicate and pinpoint that effectively so that she could help herself effectively. And what a, what a, what a frustrating thing to be struggling all day to try to figure out why she felt so ill. She said she laid on the couch for most of the day because she's like, oh, I just feel awful. But to be unable to articulate that. Now, when you combine that with um, potty training, if a lot of our kids, um, our autistic children or autistic adult friends struggle with reading those signals, we have many um, autistic adults, for example, who don't feel the need to use the bathroom to urinate or to defecate. That signal either doesn't exist or it isn't very good. Um, it'll just be like suddenly it's here and you've got about 60 seconds to find a toilet. Does that ring true for anybody? Now, that isn't to say that some of those signals can't be practiced and learned and well, can you feel kind of a rumbly in your gut and trying to articulate some of those things more to maybe find what is working for your child. And please believe them when they say, I just don't feel anything. A lot of times they're sincere in saying it. It's not that they're lazy. It's not that they're distracted. I mean, to be fair, it could be, right? But there are many people that struggle with the signal itself. So, um, taking into account that 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 is absolutely a possibility for your child. Now, it sounds like your child isn't struggling with the signal itself, that your child is struggling with feeling comfortable or having an environment where they feel comfortable sitting to use a toilet and using a toilet in the presence, or I shouldn't say presence as in they are physically there in the bathroom with me, but I mean under the care of or the um, whatever, anything other than mom. Um, you had articulated always it was your father, meaning his grandfather, I assume, um, that even in that case, he was uncomfortable with doing that and felt the need to withhold to the point of tears, poor guy. Um, so one thing I want to say is you're um, quite lucky to have a boy that makes public emergencies a little easier. Um, not to say that they are easy, but being a female myself, having to just suddenly go somewhere where there's a tree nearby is not as you can't be as um, covert as you can as you can with the male um, anatomy, right? Um, it can also be a lot messier as a female, um, which can be tricky. I really commend all the different options that you have. Um, so again, on to what would be a good next step in this behavioral process that you're describing to me. Um, it, again, it sounds like you have identified that it's the seat. And it sounds like you have tried all sorts of different seats. I wonder, have you tried um, isolating the experience of sitting on the seat with pairing it with something else? something that maybe they really, really like. Maybe, um, and people might poo-poo about this, but if this is what gets your child to be comfortable, I kind of say poo-poo to the naysayers, right? Um, perhaps they really enjoy watching a certain YouTube video. 
and they're willing to do it. They're willing to sit on a toilet to be able to do that with zero expectation of performance, right? We're not expecting we'll sit on the toilet and poop right now. That's going, you know, proverbially from zero to 10 right in that moment. It may not seem like it to us as parents, to them, that's a huge number of so many different steps, so many different things that they have gotten themselves used to and comfortable with. So we're starting with that first one, feeling comfortable and safe, just sitting, even with clothes on. So fully clothed, sitting on the seat. That's it. Um, maybe uh, your first step instead of being fully clothed sitting on the seat is simply to be able to stand in front of the toilet and pull down their pants. Now, I don't know uh, age-wise if that's something, you know, fine motor skills that he's capable of doing himself, if it's something you need to assist in. But again, celebrating that first part. Oh, you did it. You pulled down your pants to your ankles. Yay. Now pull them back up. Oh, I'm so proud of you. That was fantastic. Breaking it up into smaller pieces. A lot of times we put these huge projects in front of our children and we forget how many steps there really are involved with the whole process. It's, it's a lot, you know. Um, just a moment. I hear my child talking to me. Yes, honey. A shield for my controller. You need a shield for your controller? Yeah, my red controller. Okay, I'll come help you in just a second. Please help me. I will. I will, just a second. Excuse me. Sorry, I ha had a little guy. Um, and as you know, life goes on, right? Um, again, uh, maybe we, we give them these big projects that are actually, you know, hundreds of steps involved. And for a lot of my autistic friends, young and old, those all those little steps are a huge learning process in and of itself. So take each one, isolate it, celebrate its success, stick with it success-wise for quite a long time, a full week of just pants at ankles and pulling them back up. Maybe you don't even do it in a bathroom, right? Maybe you're just working on pulling, you know, pants. Well, but then I don't want your child to become used to pulling their pants down, not in a bathroom. Scratch that, reverse it. Do you see where that behavioral thought just went, ooh, that would be training for not a great kind of solution. Do you see what I'm saying? Um, so I would say every time in a bathroom, because we don't want to be teaching your child to undress in public, um, pulling their pants down to their ankles and pulling them back up, calling that a success. Um, maybe watching other YouTube videos, cartoons that depict some of that, maybe a social story would be helpful. And again, not to say, see, this is what you do. Just presenting them to it, presenting it to them without expectation for behavior. Um, um, some other things, again, you would have to add a step to that process each and every time. It would take much longer. That's kind of the story of how we need to adapt and um, teach our children. It's how our children need to be taught is each step. And that's to avoid having to use any kind of negative reinforcement, guilt, trauma, etc. that we can be grounded in this 
you can do it because I have faith in you and because you're a great person and you can do hard things and it's okay to fail and that's okay. Rather than the traumatic, often quicker response version of um, uh, scaring them, guilting them into performing the behavior because they're afraid of uh, disappointing you or making you angry or causing a fight or, you know, then a lot of times new behaviors crop up to make them avoid even having to use the restroom. So I know it sounds very arduous. It is an arduous process. Um, I firsthand understand how difficult that can absolutely be. I hear you. Take it one step at a time. If it's not successful after like a week, I would switch which tactic I was using, find whatever they are successful at right now, celebrate it, and build off of it to add one more new very small step, very small step. Maybe he just learns to really enjoy hanging out in the bathroom. Maybe in the bathroom, he gets to put like coins in a tissue box that's on the back of the toilet, and when he does that, he... I don't know, gets like a yummy fruity popsicle. I don't know, something exciting. Anyway, I hope that was helpful. Again, I know that those are very specific answers. When it comes to behavior, you've got to get pretty specific with people's descriptions of what they are experiencing. So I will see you next time. I hope you've enjoyed. Bye-bye. Welcome to season two.